Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Happy Labor Day to you, Ken. Happy Labor Day to Rob. Again, immense thanks. He's in Italy doing his honeymoon, and he still uh, takes a chance of having a battle with his uh, his new bride um, by coming and sharing his time with us uh, to produce this. So it speaks loudly of him and his commitment to doing this. And I want to say happy Labor Day to everybody. Um, you and your family, all the fans out there, and just, yeah, you know, I hope it, I don't know how to say this without it sounding uh, the wrong way or as though we're patting ourselves on the back because we're not doing that. We're very grateful to all the fans out there. But I hope working on Labor's Day, uh, I just hope that the fans out there uh, appreciate us as much as we appreciate them. Maybe that's the most gracious way, if it's possible, to say some way you talk about yourself graciously, where they do appreciate us enough to subscribe and continue watching us and continue supporting us and get more subscriptions together out there, pass the word a little bit more, because uh, Labor Day means you're not supposed to work. And, <laughs> and, and we're working. And listen, is it not work when you're doing something that maybe is a labor of love to a certain degree. Yeah, I get it. But it's still a commitment that we take very seriously. And on Labor Day, we're here. Um, I know there's things that's going on in your life with your family. Good luck in the boat race that <laughs> your kids have. Uh, they put together, a, constructed a boat, and they're in a contest. And um, I, I sure as heck hope they win. And I know you're proud of them for putting the effort in that they did to make that boat ready to go and uh, be seaworthy, even, <laughs> if it's, even if it's only in a pool. And I just, uh, if I look a little red, uh, I'm not blushing. Uh, it's just that I got a little bit extra sun because I was finally convinced to go to LBI uh, with my family uh, the other day. So... I enjoyed a little time down there and came back a little early to do this, which we all make our, again, we make our decisions, we make our choices in life. Uh, but I had a good time. I'm glad I went, even though it was abbreviated, because I went down there to, with my daughter Nicole and her beautiful, our, our beautiful grandchildren, her boy and girl, and her husband Jeff and my wife Elaine, we went down and we joined Jeff's brother's family down there, and they have a beautiful family, and we just had a we just had a great time, and just relaxing, just looking at the ocean, and and uh, you know getting a little sun and sharing time with the grandkids. Uh, it was it was great. It never gets old when. Your grandson says, Papa, I love you. So anyway, for the people that are blessed enough out there to have children and to to also have uh, even grandchildren, yeah, 
take a minute. I know sometimes it seems like you can't escape, like you don't have time to escape. I get trapped into that where I think I can't take off. You know, my daughter yells at me. My son yells at me. I miss his son. He's in Vegas, so our other grandson wasn't with us, but we were thinking about him. And they always say, oh, you have time. You could take off. You could make the time. You could do And you think you can't because your commitment's to work. You know, uh, you got to do this. You got to do that. But you know what? Sometimes you got to do something else. You got to just take time, you know, to spend with the ones you love and find the time. Just make the time, you know, somehow. So I'm glad that my wife and my daughter talked me into going down there. Uh, one of uh, the family members down there is uh, actually the uh, p- patriarch of of my son-in-law's brother's family. Uh, his name is Jack, and I know I know that one good thing, Ken, is I got a few new subscribers. Put it that way. <laughs> he, I don't doubt it. <laughs> he, he, he's he's now a subscriber. Matter of fact, he's probably he'll probably be listening as he's, as he's taking his five mile walk. He's seventy seven years old, Jack, and he walks every morning five miles, and he listens. Uh, so he said, "You know me. There's no excuses, Ken. You understand that." I, I mean, was just going to say, Teddy, if any of the listeners here, Teddy, if he sees you at the fight, he will have you in a headlock with your phone in his hand until you're subscribed. <laughs> well, well, Jack, Jack, God bless him. Jack says, "I said you listened to the, you know, reason. Oh yeah, yeah. I said you listened to the last one. Yeah. The only thing is, when I walk, sometimes you know, I lose you. I said, oh, you mean you walk through certain areas where." Uh, the signal cuts out. He goes, yeah. I said, all right, don't walk through those areas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, uh, there it is. So anyway, i um saying hello to him. And just, again, to all our listeners out there, all our fans out there, thank you. Thank you. And uh, happy, happy Labor Day. Yeah, agreed. A uh, couple things. First of all, yeah, thanks to Rob. And of course, his beautiful bride, Marla, although I'm sure it makes it much easier for her to tolerate when he's looking like Don Juan DeMarco over there with his new hairdo. He has been, uh, <laughs> he has multiple times, people have asked me if he was if he was my son, which always infuriates me, but reminds me of just how handsome I must be if I look like Rob. But, That's true. That's true. <laughs> and yeah, my kids are in a, um, a cardboard race boat, a cardboard boat race today. You could only use cardboard, rubber bands, duct tape, and a few other things. So they've been working. I mean, all credit to my wife. She basically built it with them. And uh, I have zero man skills when it comes to stuff like that. I can't hang a picture. I can run and I can talk about fighting. But if you need me to like do any handiwork around the house, my uh, my go to answer is I'm sure we can find someone on the internet. Um, but yeah, and and to your point about Labor Day, yeah, for you and I and Rob, it's like, this is a labor of love. We love doing this, but you're right. The sacrifice really is made by the people in our lives who are subjected to this when they're like, it's Labor Day. What are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to be recording the show in the middle of the day, but they understand and they know that it's important to us. And that's why they're family and you love them unconditionally is because you take the good with the bad and we all roll with the punches and support each other that's what family is all about you don't always have to agree but you always have to support and speaking of which you'll be proud the kids were playing up at the club the other day and they got into a little altercation 
with another bigger kid and all all three of the boys were like on this kid like a pack of hyenas and they came running over and I was like guys what what happened why are you guys why were punches being thrown and they're like oh the big kid knocked Cameron down then the other kid was laughing about it right to Luke and my oldest son went over and goes Luke what are you laughing about this guy's making fun of him and like Jack started attacking the kid and I was like all right good man I'm like Luke I love I love your kids I love Jack <laughs> I love your kids I they 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 really I tell you, they're not only beautiful kids. I mean, you you're blessed. They're healthy, thank God, and um, we're all blessed. And that's the first thing you worry about: your daughter and your three sons. Just beautiful family, but um, the character you just touched on. I know they're kids, but the, the character, loyalty, you yeah, know, uh, it's it's there. So. It's, it's so it's, it's so important to stick together with not just your siblings but with the people you love and you you know we've talked about this a lot but you know sometimes when someone does something that's out of line even if you even if you don't agree with your your man or your person you just have to stick together there's very few things more important in life than relationships no one's ever on their deathbed thinking about the shit the physical stuff that they lost Everyone consistently talks about the relationships and the people in their lives and the way certain people made them feel good and bad. And when you have good people in your life, sometimes you have to take a beating for them. If it means, hey, these guys are going to come and get me. I need help. Okay, I guess we're both going to get beat up then, but we're going to try. And and anything other than sticking up blindly for your friends is just, it's a shallow, empty way to live your life. Sometimes you got to take the beat and, and just be with you know be with your people even when it means you're losing and uh, that's what I preach to the kids is like hey you might lose but I promise you that the next time those kids want to have a problem they're going to be like don't mess with the ride out kids because they're at least going to fight back pick on someone easier you know what I mean and it goes with everyone in life and all your friends and relationships and that's why we're all here together with you Rob and Sam it's like not many people are all going to drop everything and record on Labor Day, but this is what we do every week, regardless of the day of the holiday. So it's good to be with you. Thanks, Rob, for doing this from Italy. And, thanks and sometimes I want to say one other thing, you know, yeah. since, just to piggyback off that. Sometimes we look at as a negative as the end all, you know, something negative, something that hurts, something that's, you know, disappointing, uh, something that you didn't bargain on. And we look at it in a situation, you know, whatever that situation is. And we look at it as obviously, you know, it is a negative. And, and it brings you down. It depresses you maybe. Uh, discourages you. Whatever. But I'm here to tell you that we got to sometimes look at those things as an opportunity to find out how strong we can be. Yep. How good we can be. How loyal we can be how we can get up, how we can go to a place even better than we've been before, that we wouldn't have been forced to go if it wasn't for that incident, that situation, that letdown, whatever it was, that we are forced to go somewhere even deeper, even better. And in the end, it's an opportunity to find those things out about oneself. And that's, that's good, and that's important. And also, I'll finish with this. Yeah, you get disappointed by people sometimes, when you think they should, and you have the right to think that because of the way you behaved, that they should behave stronger and better, more loyal, whatever it is, and they make excuses and, you know, they disappoint you. But in the end, it's also better to find out now that those people weren't quite what you thought they were, what you wanted them to be, what you expect them to be, what you were prepared to be. 
Yep. They wanted that. So it's better that, you know, I hate to sound cold, but sometimes it's cold that you find out now you get rid of that. <laughs> you, you cut bait on that, if you will. And and you move forward uh, with people that you find out maybe down the road they are the right people. Or maybe you found that out where, you, you know, they've been through challenges and tests where you know that already. But it's better to find out earlier in the journey that somebody's not really what you thought they were and what you expected. And again, had the right to expect because of your behavior, what they would be. It's better to find out, even though it hurts, it's better to find out earlier so you can move on and that you can get people in your life that are the right people and give yourself that opportunity. Um, maybe somebody else was taking up a spot <laughs> on, on the roster, roster, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're thinking the same way. Um, and you remove, <laughs> you, you make room on that roster for somebody that maybe is the right person. So anyway, God bless everybody out there. Happy Labor Day. We're going to talk some fighting uh, <laughs> with my buddy Ken and with Rob there as the producer in Italy during his honeymoon. And um, and with Sam Rivera, who does a really tremendous job doing his own thing with the videos, putting together, you know, videos and and motivational pieces. Uh, Sam Rivera of, films. Uh, if you're looking for him on Instagram, there it is. yeah, he he's floating out there, you know, on YouTube and Instagram, and he really does put together some stuff that um that moves you, that yep. moves you, that motivates you. So anyway, um, I was blessed enough to get him in my life and we all were where you know it just happened and um he he took a piece from me from the joe rogan show a few years ago and he put it together made it into a motivational piece and the next thing you know uh a lot of people were talking about that piece and next thing you know we were talking about we were saying wow <laughs> we'll put that together <laughs> and the next thing you know there we are we're with him and he's in our life and speaking of commitment, Teddy, uh, Sam, I believe he's either a brown belt or he might be a black belt now in jiu-jitsu. Just was, uh, it's got his own in in interesting story, was um, very overweight. I mean, he'd be the first to admit that and just decided like enough was enough. I'm not going to be a victim in life. I'm going to take control of this. Got his shit under control. Went to jiu-jitsu. Ten years later, he's either brown belt or a black belt. He's in the room with you, Sam, uh, Teddy. Can you ask him if he's brown or black now? Yeah, almost a black, just a stripe almost. away from yeah, a couple stripe away from black belt. But just the picture of commitment, you know, was being—I don't want to say lazy—but wasn't taking care of himself and just decided to take control of his own life. Now he's making films. How much full weight time. did? How much weight did you lose, Sam? I lost hundred pounds. Hundred pounds, um, he lost. Incredible, incredible mental fortitude more than anything to stick to that. And uh, oh, that's the other thing I was going to say about you, Teddy, is I'm not surprised you're suntan. It's amazing what all that weight loss will do for you. Someone said they saw you down running on the beach, shadow boxing, lifting weights at Muscle <laughs> Beach. <laughs> not quite, not quite, not quite, not In quite. In one of those old fashioned bathing suits with the suspenders. 
I've lost weight, but not my mind. <laughs> I haven't lost that. Not yet. Not yet. Actually, a few but, people, honestly, a few people on Twitter have asked me, like, what, what diet is Teddy on? And I always think it's funny when people are like, what's the magic pill? I'm like, he's on the common sense diet. Less calories in, more calories burned, and he's just eating healthy and doing the right things. There's no ma one magic diet doesn't work for everyone. There's one diet that works. Eat less food, exercise more. The end. Yeah, yeah. Don't. I'll just add to that. He's right. Um, just cut out everything you like. <laughs> you know, for the you know most what, part. One thing, Teddy, part. One thing that you said that actually resonated with me that I think about. I have a weakness at, at in the evening after I eat dinner, and I'm like just laying around watching TV. I start to get lazy and think like, "Oh man, I'm hungry." I and and literally, I think I've done so good all day. I've worked out twice. I've eaten good. You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna have one of those cookies. And then I'm like, you know what? Three cookies ain't gonna hurt me i've been healthy all day but all those little tiny like microaggressions towards your health it just it adds up and one thing that you said that resonated with me was just think about how you're gonna feel after you're done because inevitably i'll eat it and i'll look at my wife and i go why'd you let me eat all that food <laughs> you know jokingly and she'll be like as soon as i pick one cookie up she'll be like you know you're gonna look at me when you're done with all when that whole box of cookies and say why did i let you do it so don't do it and i'm like no no i know as soon as i'm done eating i go why'd you let me eat it why didn't you hide them 100 <laughs> percent. but you're right think about what the aftermath is going to feel like and that helps me avoid making bad decisions not just with food but with a lot of things in my life what am i going to feel like when i make this decision because i know it's not right for what i'm trying to accomplish you know, we talk fights here. You know, we talk about the fight, but the biggest fight is the fight of life, right? Of course. And um, these moments, these 20-minute moments we just took before the show started, 15 minutes, whatever it just was, um, they're, they're important. They're important for me. They're important for you. They're important, hopefully, for our audience that we, you know, we're, we're thinking about the fight of life, you know, connecting the dots, you know, in, in so many, so many ways, so many dimensions, uh, you know, we're about to go really heavy into all the fight stuff and the analysis of it and the breakdown. We're going to be doing that in about two minutes. But in the meantime, we're, we're just having a conversation with people that we're blessed that they take the time to come and listen to us and that maybe we can, you know, make their day a little better. Uh, you know, not not just in breaking down the fights from the weekend before, um, or you know, the couple of days before, the night before. In the case of the fights last night, they went on Sunday night, which is very unusual. Um, the, the I like boxing it though. match, but yeah, hey, you like it because the next day, for most people, is a holiday. You yep. know, being that Labor Day. But if it was a Monday, then it'd no. be a little tougher for of people course. to get up early in the morning and and do that. But again. We just, uh, we're just we're like you guys, you know. We we hurt if you hurt us, um, we bleed if you cut us, uh, but we also take the time to talk about things that we think are relevant to you outside of the octagon, outside of the squared circle, the circle of life. So, anyway, um, yeah, for the people there that are on my uh, scale watch, on the Teddy scale watch, <laughs> uh, uh, because I do get texts, even though you know I'm not on the internet, I, I get messages from people saying, oh, you're at this, you're at that, you know, keep going, and I appreciate it. 
the last time I checked my weight was 28 pounds. Full disclosure, honesty is always the best policy, right? We believe of that. Of course. Uh, <laughs> even when it's tough. And uh, last time I checked a couple of days ago, it was 28 pounds. It was holding there. It held there for a few days. That happens. Uh, then, then all of a sudden, bang, you get movement if you stay with it. But I purposely didn't get on the scale today. I'm not afraid of nothing. I face when I got a face. But today I decided not to get on the scale because, yeah, I was an LBI. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you and, have some extra yeah. potato salad? <laughs> the, let me tell you, the, the family I was just talking about, you know, uh, Denise, that's the wife of Michael Fazio. Um, Jeff Fazio, who's my son-in-law, his brother. He's Like I said, they got a beautiful family. Well, He's also, the, uh, he's also the horse racing extraordinaire, right? Collector of uh, prize racehorses. Yeah, he's got 38 racehorses. Um, <laughs> he's been, he's he's got, been slightly uh, successful. Yeah, he's, he's worked awful hard to get there, and hopefully the horse business will be uh, good to him too. He deserves it. He worked his backside off. Yeah, he's but, a good man. Yeah, yeah, and, and a generous man and a, and a family man. Which is As really is your son-in-law, Jeff. Best. He's a good dude. Anytime I'm in yeah. that guy's company, he couldn't be nicer and more cordial to both me and Rob. So thank you to Jeff and Michael for their kindness. They're always super nice guys. Oh, they're, they're good people, and um, we're blessed. We're blessed to have them in our, our family. And and uh, like I said, uh, Michael Fazio's wife, Denise, she and, and Jack, the man I was talking about, is her father. But she's got a big family and a big Irish family, and they they have I think it's like four brothers, and and she also has her sisters, so four, five, six. So I think six in total, and um and they all have wives for the most part, and and children, and so they, it's a big family. One of them, one of them, the son of a gun makes an unbelievable crumb cake, okay? That's all I got to tell you. That's, that's, Ken, that's, that's all I got to tell you. That's why I wasn't on the scale. <laughs> that's why I wasn't on the scale, okay, everyone? Again, full disclosure, I'm at 28 pounds right now. I, I don't know what I'm at right now, but the last time I checked was 28. I'll check again. I'll check again once, once uh, somebody removes that crumb cake. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. And uh, before we jump into the fights, just one quick thing. I um, for, for people who are interested in hearing my story, I did an interview on um, the Rich Roll podcast last week, and uh, it got it got a lot of uh, positive feedback. So if people are interested in hearing about my kind of personal story, um, it, it's there. But one thing that was interesting is some of the people that are fans of our show that listen to it, Teddy, were like, man, Teddy said you were a runner but i don't think i realized what he meant when he said you were a runner because i talk about some of the actual like times and performances and um it was just nice reinforcement our fans are so kind and <laughs> but one person teddy saw the picture and said when i saw this guy's picture and then heard his voice when when he started talking i was shocked because i expected to hear the voice of a gay man from brooklyn and i was like i don't know if that's a compliment are you trying to compliment me or insult me what would that mean and what does a gay guy from brooklyn sound like not that there's any problem with that but do I have to, I didn't know I was giving off that kind of vibe, but I just thought that that was a funny observation. And, um, I hope you had a chance to listen to it, Teddy, because we, I gave you, um, I talked a lot about my relationship with you and everything that the show has, um, provided basically like a dream scenario, get to talk 
combat sports every week with the legend of combat sports as far as i'm concerned one of the greatest minds in the game so thank you for everything you've done for me and the opportunity to be here with you and with that let's talk about combat um let's start with um the heavyweight fight last night Andy Ruiz back in action uh, against the old Luis Ortiz. I think Luis started to get much more, much older last night. At least for me, he looked a lot older because if he had, I don't know, a little back in the day, he was just touching Ruiz with that straight left hand almost at will, and he was cracking him with the jab, and Andy was almost living and dying with this lunging in, which kind of reminded me a little bit of the heavyweight fight in the UFC that we'll get into with Tuivasa and Gan, where Tuivasa was just standing at the range, the perfect range to get punched and not be able to punch. But at at least this from my untrained eye, that's what it looked like at times for Ruiz. He was on that outside, outside, but not outside enough to not get hit. And I think that Ruiz made the fight, from my perspective, more competitive than it could have or should have been. He had Ortiz down a few times. I don't know. It just, in, 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 in hindsight, like wasn't the most technical heavyweight fight ever they did go the distance which was shocking to me but all in all I just didn't see anything there that from either of those guys that suggested that they're at the top of that division and anything other than like gatekeepers or like you know maybe middle top of the second tier down from the top guys but dying to hear what you thought of it because there was just a lot of observations to be made in that one yeah first thing is I got to respond and give you an answer. I try to answer everything to what does a gay man from Brooklyn sound like? <laughs> I, I can't help it. I mean, you put it out there. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a sucker uh, <laughs> for biting at things. And I will just say that the best I can say is that maybe it's kind of like this. Like, I, I won't say it exactly, but they say something like, forgot about it. But <laughs> when they say forgot about it, they say it with, Forget about it, you know. With, <laughs> a little with more just, feminine, <laughs> with just a little higher pitch, just a little higher pitch. God bless. That's you know, the kind of trolling um, on the we internet. Love, listen, we love all our people. We love all. Before some maniac out there says, you know, Teddy doesn't like Mexicans and he also don't like gays. <laughs> you know what I mean, or whatever. So uh, I, I love all people. You know what I? I will make. I will make a differentiation no i will i'm i will um because i always say what i believe i love all good people i i don't care what denomination where the frick they're from what they look like what anything i don't care i love i like i love all good people that's it that's teddy atlas and um you know whether whatever they are gay straight freaking uh black white purple dots uh whatever the one Um, quick thing i want to say about that is with regards to gay straight lesbian whatever it is is like no one would give a crap what straight people get up to in their private life behind closed doors with their partner or partners whatever their lifestyle is what someone does behind closed doors with a person that they love or that they're attracted, that's their business. If you're not hurting anyone, why would I care? No one cares about what my relationship with my wife is behind our bedroom I love door, good nor people. should they. That's it. Exactly. 100%. I love good people. And listen, um, that doesn't mean that we can't have a sense of humor. Yeah, exactly. You know, like where, where's the sense of humor in, in, in 
society gone that that we have to take things so seriously so damn seriously sometimes when we don't mean it that way it's it's about intent it's not about exactly that you say what was your intent if your intent's not to harm if your intent's not to to be hateful then what is wrong what is wrong with like having some humor like these comedians that are being canceled and stuff for for doing their job (laughs) <laughs> for, for doing their freaking job trying to I make people laugh I actually thought the comment was funny and that's the kind of, I'm here for those kind of jokes it's the kind of like biting bullshit and hateful stuff that people say like hey, hey listen if you think I look feminine before I talk cool I, what do I care I'm comfortable with who I am I've been doing this for 50 years I'm never gonna change what I look like but that, anyway I digress um, you look good you look good thank kid. you brother and, and let's get all right, so the Ruiz Ortiz fight. First of all, I get what you're saying. You're looking at it too much like a purist. You're you're looking at it like these guys are gatekeepers. These guys, yeah, uh, especially Ortiz. But he's he's 43, going on whatever, and um, you know he he's on his last fumes. And and the only thing that kept him going was his experience and his great heart. He showed great heart. He showed yep. great heart and a great left hand, but um, and a powerful left hand. But but and and ability. But you know his his ability to take isn't what it may have once been, uh, and that has to do with your legs getting older, with you getting older. Uh, but as far as not being at the top tier, listen, like it or not. Like it or not, one of the guys that you would call top-tier guy named Anthony Joshua just got beat again in a rematch by Usyk. He's supposed to, he's a top-tier guy. Well, he got knocked out by a guy who don't look like a top-tier guy that you just finished saying, uh, Ruiz. He got knocked out by Ruiz. So Ruiz is right there, whether we like it or not. They they are right there um, as top-tier guys. You hate to say it, but... It's what it is. It's it's not about what it was and what it used to be when Ali and Frazier and Foreman and, you know, all those different fighters. And if I'm missing anyone, you know, I'm just making a point real quick. Uh, when they were around, you know, it's not that day. It's today. And today, these guys that you may say don't look like top tier guys, guess what? Get used to it, guy, because they are. They fit in. They, they're right there. And just as important as their boxing skills, this is going to upset some people, but the truth is the truth, is the promoters they're with. You know, Ruiz is with Heyman. He's a top guy. He's one of the three, four top guys. So if, if you're with him, you're going to get fights. You're going to get title shots. You're going to get money. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be in the light, um, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, matter of fact, um, well, I'll get to the fight I'd like to see later. But before you do that, Teddy, one quick thing about that with the PVC. Do you notice that every time they host a big PVC card, pay per view, whatever, anytime their bigger name fighters are fighting, they have the PBC rankings as if there's no other. They literally had the audacity to be like, yeah, uh, we've got the winner of this fight probably in the number two, three position in the heavyweight division. And I'm like, you know, initially I didn't catch the PBC ranking part. I just thought they were talking heavyweights. And I was thinking, are they insane? This is not even close to the top three. I mean, after obviously Usyk and Fury and then, you know, Joshua, then it's not kind of starts to drop off quickly. But the PBC always gives their own rankings as if somehow one promoter's fighters constitutes an entire like division. 
it, it's it's madness not to recognize all the fighters out there, especially when the top two or three aren't even in your camp. Anyway, I thought that was interesting that Fox puts that that graphic up there. It's almost it's maddening. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Only like, in boxing you get away with that because to exactly. your point, Ken, it's a great point because to your point, um, the network. The network has to deal with the promoter, so the promoter obviously is controlling all content, all graphics, all that, all that stuff that they decide they decide to put up. But you couldn't do that in football. <laughs> no matter who the network, think about it. You couldn't decide. You know what? I don't happen because you know I know Ken Rideout. You know I, I'm I'm mad at Ken Rideout this week, and I know he's a big New England Patriot fan, so I'm not going to rate the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> you know I, they can't do that. You can't do that. You know I'm not going to rate the Boston Red Sox uh, if they deserve to be rated. Uh, whatever. Uh, you get the point. You yeah. can't do that. You can't do that in baseball, football, basketball, whatever. Um, and networks wouldn't allow it. They wouldn't tolerate. It. But you know, you know what? It's it's. Nobody's watching. It, it's it's like uh, it's like that movie that was about the gangster, the 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 heroin dealer. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Frank Lucas. Uh, uh, I forget the name of the movie, but uh, the great Denzel Washington Kingpin. played him. American no, uh, American gangster. I don't know. Yes, American gangster. Uh, but it was it was about what I just said, and I remember the beginning uh, when of the movie. You know where you had you had Denzel with another great uh, older actor, and the older actor was playing was playing a old mobster from Harlem who was the numbers king up there. Uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Johnson. His last name was Johnson. Uh, Bummy John. What was it? Um, Bumpy Johnson, Bumpy Johnson, maybe. But anyway, he was a numbers guy, drug guy, whatever, and legendary uh, underworld guy up in Harlem. And and Lucas was, you know, was kind of like I guess, you know, with him, his protege. And he he was having a heart attack, the older guy, and and Denzel Washington was trying to get somebody. They were in a store, and they were trying to get somebody to help him, and. And the guy, the old gangster, looks at him and says, there's nobody here. There's nobody watching. There's nobody in charge, Frank. And and that's kind of like it really speaks to what you just described. Like in boxing, there's nobody there. There's nobody watching. The networks, they're not watching to see, hey, that guy shouldn't be rated. They're making their own crap up. That guy shouldn't be there. That guy should. That's not the ratings. That's that's not the official ratings. But in boxing, it's you like can it's get wrestling. away with that. It's like WWE where they're yeah, writing make it their up own as, script. Yeah, make it up as you go along. And again, there's even the TV executives, you got to put them at blame, whatever you want to call it, because they're not watching. I talked about this last week on an episode. Go and watch it. Uh, I talked about this in detail, that there, there's nobody at home. There's nobody with the television that are watching boxing that know what's right and what's wrong. They're, really? And But there is in all the other sports, they, they would immediately say, you can't just eliminate the New England Patriots because you're mad and can't ride out. You can't do that. You can't eliminate the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees or whatever. They, they, they're rated. So as far as the fight, it was, you talked about being a little tedious, a little bit, you know, not great, whatever. But 
at the end of the day, it was kind of, for me, it was like one of those horror movies, one of those suspense movies where you're still kept in your seat even when the movie starts to get a little slow because you never know when the monster's going to appear, when he's going to jump out from behind. And that was kind of the intrigue for me with, the, with this fight because you never knew when the right hand of Ruiz was going to land again or when the left hand of Ortiz was going to land. You never knew. Even though some of the rounds, there was not a lot of action. There was, you know, Ruiz was blowing some rounds, just not being active enough. But I understand all of it. I, first of all, I tweeted, I picked last week on our show, I picked Ruiz to win. But where I was wrong and I was almost right, but almost don't count, you know. Clothes don't count except in horseshoes and hand grenades, as uh, as I used to hear all the time. Uh, but I picked Ruiz to win. But I also said take the under, because I think Ruiz has a real good chance of landing the right hand and knocking out Ortiz in the early parts of the fight. And you know what? He Dropped him a few times and he came very close, but he couldn't close the show. He couldn't he couldn't finish the job. And Ortiz didn't let him. Ortiz showed a lot of heart at 43 or whatever age he really is or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I I even tweeted before the fight started last night that Look for the right hand to land against the southpaw. Right hands land against southpaws. The right hand of Ruiz to land against the southpaw Ortiz early and do damage early. And guess what? Second round came early, and he did. One of the mistakes made in that round was that they made it a 10-7 round when really it was a 10-8 round because, yeah, he dropped him, but the second knockdown was not legitimate. The referee was wrong. Yeah, he was still a little groggy from the first knockdown, but he didn't get hit a punch that put him down. It was a bit of a push, whatever, groggy, off balance, but not a punch. That shouldn't have been a knockdown. One knockdown in that round, 10-8. Not two knockdowns to then make it a 10-7. And that was important because almost every round that he didn't knock him down or hurt him, Ruiz lost because he was getting outworked. So Ortiz was winning rounds, putting rounds in the bank when he didn't get hurt, when he didn't get dropped. Uh, and he put, you know, he put a good amount of rounds in the bank. But at the rounds that, again, that Ruiz won were bigger. And so he was ahead on the points, you know, uh, even though he may have been even or even behind with the rounds in some ways. So that's why the points, that 10-7, 10-8, was really important. At, at the end of the day, they got it right. Uh, Ruiz won on points. He did the more damage in the fight. This is professional boxing. It's about who lands to clean them or telling punches, not just who's throwing, who's just tapping you, whatever. It's about who's landing doing the most damage, if you want to put it in a very, very simple way. Also, a simple way, I said early on, this fight's going to come down to who has the better chin, the better beard. And I, was, I feel I was obviously right that Ruiz had the better beard. And it came down to not the better heart for you people out there, just the better beard. He, he was able to 
keep himself up, even though he got hit some really, really big left hands. He showed a hell of a beard. Um, you could also say Ortiz didn't do the finishing touches, but whatever, he absorbed the punch he had to Ruiz, and he absorbed it really, really, really well. Um, as far as the the fight, it was about geography, as I say quite often, Ken. Uh, Ortiz had to control. He's the taller, bigger guy, had to control. Not heavier guy, but bigger guy. He had to control the outside with his jab and try to keep Ruiz at the end of it and catch him with straight lefts. In other words, set the table with his jab and then eat with the left hand. He was trying to do that. Uh, he did it enough to win a lot of rounds uh, or enough rounds. Uh, that was the geography he needed. Ruiz needed the geography to get shrunk. He needed to get close. He needed to get in. But there were two things he had to deal with getting in. One, he had to be careful. Like I often would say, going to a bad neighborhood, you don't get mugged. Don't get caught on the way in. The other was, don't get caught waiting on the way out or while you're out, I'm sorry, don't get caught on the outside misjudging the reach and range of that left hand by Ortiz because then you get caught waiting out front, which happened a couple of times. So he had two things to worry about. That's why he was so tentative and cautious. For the people out there that want to knock him, I get it. But that's why, at least I can explain it. If I was doing the commentary... That's what I would have been saying. There's a reason. Because if he goes and moves his hands more, he might get caught with that left hand more. So he was trying to figure it out, he being Ruiz. And he was being cautious, overly cautious, some people would say, because he was concerned about getting hit with that punch. Now, as a trainer, if I was in a corner, I would have said, hey, use your jab. This way you can start being more active, keep the other guy busy without risking yourself so much if you throw the jab the right way, at the right range, at the right time. Use your jab. And he did use his jab, Ruiz, in spots. And it was very effective, very effective. But he didn't use it nearly, nearly enough. So that could have helped him in some of those dead spots where Ruiz was in a quandary. Of, well, if I do more, I might get hit. So so what do I do? I just got to be careful. Yeah, be careful, be smart, but use your jab. Uh, and, and you would have controlled some of those rounds. And maybe even, who knows, maybe even done more damage to Ortiz. At the end of the day, yeah, it wasn't a thrill in Manila, but you did have enough intrigue, for me at least, that you just never knew when some when the other shoe would drop, where where the left hand would land or the right hand would land from whichever fighter it was. So I uh, I understand again why these guys that you can look at and you compare to another ever you say wow you know Ruiz look how heavy he was he didn't look like a champion should look like uh, or a top contender should look like you know look how heavy he is he just, but this is what we have today this and and he does fit in he does fit in there. and where I give him credit is the guy can punch the guy's got a chin the guy's got a heart obviously talking about Ruiz 
and he closes the gap quick, almost like a big Pacquiao, where he where he closes that gap really fast, lightning fast, and lands the right hand. And then he counters really lightning fast with right hand. So I give him credit for those things. Did he do enough of it? Yeah, because he got to knockdowns. If he didn't get the knockdowns, no. It, it probably wouldn't have been enough. But at the end of the day, it was. And so I, I give him credit. I, I recognize those attributes. Also, I would like to see Wilder and Ruiz and the winner gets a title fight. I would like to see that. I would love to see if that really good shit of Ruiz could handle, well, the best puncher maybe in boxing. Definitely the best heavyweight puncher in a long time in boxing. Wilder's right hand. Could his if his chin could handle that, excuse the pun, but if he could eat that, because you know, obviously Ruiz eats a lot of things, but um I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry, Ken. I couldn't help it. But if he could <laughs> if he could swallow that right hand, right, without getting indigestion or with <laughs> without getting hurt, then he truly has a granite chin. <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? And maybe maybe a really granite stomach. But if he could do that, um, I would love to see that. And if he can't do it, does he start to get to Wada, who has been knocked out in his last two fights? Does he start to get to him? So I would, I would... Hey, I would find interest in that. And, and like I said, the the winner goes and gets. And you know what? I got it just, there was a news thing that came out today. I can't help it. But you sent it to me uh, that that Joshua, uh, not Joshua, I'm sorry. That Fury. Fury, who has one of the belts. Uzik's got the most of them. But, he's got the uh, other 25. Yeah, yeah, whatever. If, but Fury's got one of them, and he's the linear champion. And, and listen, he's terrific. And he's a great promoter. And he's challenging Uzik. There used to be a saying Challenge. that... He's calling out AJ. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. He's challenging he wants, AJ. He, Usyk, uh, Usyk, after the fight, just to update the fans, said he wanted uh, Fury. is the only fight he wants now. That's the one he wants. Collect all the belts. And But then he came out and said he's got injuries. He's dealing with family stuff. Given everything that's going on in the Ukraine, you can kind of understand. But Fury's attitude was like, dude, you called me out. Let's do this right now. And, and Usyk was like, yeah, I'll do it when I get to you next year. And Fury wants to fight again this year. And quite frankly, I mean, Fury gets in the ring. He's good for 20 to 50 million. Easy. And that's a lot of bread. And so oh, he's yeah. saying, he's saying, okay, Usyk, I want you. You think you, you know, he goes on his whole rant about, you know, you're a pussy you're this that blah 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 blah, which is crazy when people when so he says hey i'll tell you what i'll do Usyk next year but anthony joshua you just went 12 rounds you're in good shape you're on form let's do this in december me and you for the british we'll, we'll call it the british title and let's fight in the uk which Quite frankly, uh, Fury can't leave the, the can't, Fury can't fight in the U.S. He's uh, as far as I understand, and this may not be accurate. But last I heard in the news that he was not allowed to fly to the U.S. Him or his brother Tommy Fury because of their involvement with Daniel Kinahan. That may be speculation, but that's the word I've that that's yeah been yeah no around. that was out there that's definitely out there and look and there's other fighters on that list too that can't fight in the U.S. because, because of, their, of their involvement affiliation with. Um, with, Kenny with, Han. Uh, yeah, with Kenny Han, who, for the people that don't know, um, 
is a is a, a cartel drug uh, drug. Uh, allegedly, cartel. one of the biggest drug cartel leaders of a drug gang in the uh, whole world. Allegedly, and he's on the he de he's definitely on the do not allow in list from the Department of Justice. But getting back to the challenge, real quick, that that Fury just made uh, to Joshua. Uh, there used to be a saying, to the victor goes to spoils. and But in this case, you know, to the guy that comes in second goes to spoils. And look, you explained it well that that uh, Uzik's not available right now. So obviously it's a good business decision on Fury. You go to the guy, maybe not just that he thinks could be an easy fight, but to the guy that can bring the most money. I mean, it's good business, you know, it's smart business. And and Joshua, I mean, the the English people, you know, again, I've said this before, people get a little upset, but you don't have, you know, you don't have NBA and the football, you got the soccer, biggest sport in the world, but you don't have American football, you don't have baseball, you don't have NBA, you don't have all those other things going on there. So they can make... You don't have the competition of a Tom Brady, of a LeBron James, of a Tiger Woods. So they can make their fighters really gods. They can make them huge. And they do. And they make them huge. And they like, I think they like, uh, some people are going to get mad, but they like a good loser. They, 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 they like a gracious guy. And listen, Joshua was an Olympic gold medalist. Um, even though I, I've called the fights, I've said it before, I stay consistent, whether people like it or not. Um, I called the fights for the Olympics uh, when he fought in London, and he lost that gold medal match to the Italian. He lost it. I was there. I called the fight. But it was in London. There's no way he was not going to get it. He got it. And... Listen, he knocked out Charles Martin, who's not on anybody's list of great fighters. Um, <laughs> he, he knocked him out to win the title, and he being obviously Joshua, and he's been an overrated guy. I, I say it again, what, what can I do other than, I can't say it clearer uh, and, and give you more reason for it than who's he ever really beaten? But, uh, let's be honest. And, and when he's fought, when he has fought, you know, that realm, if you will, of guys, he's lost. He, he's lost. Not only lost, he's lost, you know, by knockout. Um, or, you know, the last two, of course, to Uzik, he got hurt, uh, but he didn't get knocked out. He showed heart. He lost decision, but he got knocked out, of course, by, you know, a Ruiz, who took the fight on last minute notice. Ruiz could fight. We just talked about that. Um, but he did take the fight on two weeks notice. Uh, and he was the way he usually is, heavy. But I th I really believe that Josh was always been overrated. But again, what matters in the business of this sport, in the business of anything, is who can bring in the most money. And he can bring in, he can bring in big money because the the people over in England, again, they they love his manners, they love his size, they they love that he represents them, uh, that they're familiar with him because there's no one else out there that they have to really have 
in their sporting lives. You know, like I mentioned before, there's no Brady's, there's no Woods, there's no there's no LeBron James. You know, he's their guy, and they support him and they're loyal to him. And I applaud that. I applaud that. But I tell you, there's there's guys out there that are more deserving, probably, maybe of a title fight, but they're not going to bring. They're not going to bring the cash. They're not going to bring the Benjamins, uh, if you will, the way that Joshua will. And it'll be a huge fight. Again, the guy has lost two in a row, the guy being Joshua. But the, if they fight Fury, they're, they're going to have to, like they say in the movie Jaws, going to have to find a bigger boat. <laughs> I mean, really, they would have to find a bigger stadium than Wembley. That's, that's how big the damn thing would be, whether it's fair or not fair. It's it's uh it's called money. So back to Ruiz and Ortiz. Uh Ruiz got the job done. Ortiz, I give more the credit in the world, forty three years old, uh whatever you really are or, or whatever. Uh you you showed great heart. And I uh I would like to see Wilder and, and Ruiz. I would I would enjoy seeing that. Am I crazy to think Ruiz is just so easy to hit at times that um, that Wilder's going to hit him with a bomb and get him out of there? That's what I see happening. Yeah, but if you don't get him out of there, or he doesn't... If he can stay away from Wilder for 12 rounds, I'll be shocked that he won't be able to land one, and he only needs one. And although Ruiz definitely has a chin, but man, Ru- Wilder can Yeah, but crack. Ruiz, listen, Ruiz has some boxing ability too. Yeah, if he I can, agree. Listen, if Ruiz... We're looking at it the wrong way too. If Ruiz can survive the right hand, blah blah blah, or can he win the fight? Can he have a chance? Can he survive the right? But maybe he gets to Wilder first. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't have to. Maybe, maybe that's the strategy. Well. Maybe that's the strategy that that we're wrong. That no, he don't have to survive the right hand. He's not. He has to not get hit with it, and he's got to land his right hand first. On Wilder before Wilder does land on his. If he could do that, then yeah, he could win the fight. If he could get to Wilder first, and listen, as much as you're saying, oh, you know, isn't Ruiz easy to hit? Am I wrong, Teddy? But last I looked at Wilder, he wasn't exactly Claude Rains. For those people out there that don't know who Claude Rains was, he was the original Invisible Man. Uh, he's. <laughs> You know, he's not exactly a ghost in there. He, no, you're right. He's, he's not too hard to hit either. And he didn't exactly... Wilder didn't exactly write the fundamentals of boxing 101 <laughs> book of how to technically get things done. He just knows how to punch. He knows how to punch with the right hand. That's about it. He does a lot of things wrong. Ortiz had him on Queer Street big time, and obviously Fury got to him in a big way, so it's not like he can't be rocked either. So you're that's right, but that's sometimes why I want to present those arguments for like, you know, at first blush, hey, it looks like what, what if he what if what, what if Ruiz gets cracked? But you're right. Uh, he could just as easily get to uh, Wilder. Great point. And that's why I like to have this back and forth, even sometimes I think I'm just a lot of times I'm trying to represent what I think a lot of fans might be thinking. And um, again, the the insight that you get here as a fan, even for myself, is uh, invaluable. And uh, speaking of which, especially if you're a gambler and you like to place a wager from now from from every now and then. 
do us a favor. If you're going to make a bet, go to my bookie and use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S. They'll give you 50% credit on your first deposit up to a thousand bucks. So you deposit two grand, they'll give you an extra thousand to gamble with. And uh, as always, gamble responsibly, but a lot of good lines coming up. And Teddy, we'll talk about this before we wrap Ken, up. But- Ken, before I want to say one other thing. Yeah. The commentators last night during the Ruiz um, uh, fight, the the Ruiz Ortiz fight, uh, they mentioned that Ortiz was the hardest punching southpaw heavyweight ever. I dis- <laughs> no, but I disagree. I I tell you, he he's a real hard punching southpaws. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of heavyweight southpaws, so yeah, he's he's definitely up there. I I get it, but. For me, Michael Mora, who was the first heavyweight, the first southpaw ever to become heavyweight champ of the world, the first. Ever. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I don't Michael think I Mora. realized that. Yeah, and he was, he was. He had um, one of the best trainers in the world too when he well, won the title. Who was that but, guy? Skinny I don't guy. Know. But I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, and I'm not saying this because I trained Michael Mora. I'm, I, you have to put Michael Mora in there as the hardest punching southpaw heavyweight ever. You, you have to. You have to put him. If you're going to put Ortiz, all right, if that's your, you know, if that's what you like. But not to mention Michael Mora. Again, it's got nothing to do with me training. If I wasn't training him, I would say the same thing just understanding the history of the sport. As, as a person who respects the sport and does know the history of the sport fairly well, I I would have to put Michael Mora in there as, if not the hardest punching southpaw heavyweight ever, right there, you know, because he was. Uh, he was a real pure puncher. As a light heavyweight, he he knocked everybody out that he fought. Uh, he was a terror as a light heavyweight. And then he goes up and he becomes the first, he, he, first light heavyweight ever southpaw I, i'm trying to remember if he was the first southpaw you can look it up the first southpaw heavyweight champion i'm sure he was uh, google has michael moore as the first um light he- the first heavyweight world champion southpaw yeah yeah that's what i what i said initially but i tell you oh, hold on hold on there was a there was an englishman called william Abedengo Thompson in 1839 from England who may have had a uh, world title as well. All right, but until you find some certification <laughs> on uh, exactly. you know, on that, we'll, yeah. we'll go with Michael Moore. But light heavyweights, there's only been a couple light heavyweights that have gone up and won a heavyweight title. And yeah. of of course, you know, you had cruiserweights, you know, you had Usyk, you had uh, Holyfield, but you had Michael Spinks as a light heavyweight who could punch with the Spinks strengths and he was also a gold medalist from the Olympics. He went up and won a heavyweight title. He beat Larry Holmes uh, before Larry Holmes could break the record, quite frankly, of Rocky Marciano uh, of 49-0. and uh, Holmes was 48-0 at the time that Spinks pulled off the big upset and beat him. But you also had Bob Fritz Simmons, if you go back to the 20s, Ken, who won pretty extraordinary. Uh, he won the middleweight title, the light heavyweight title, and the heavyweight title. Um, 
which and he and he did a lot of it with his secret punch called the soloplex punch. You know, the back in those days, not not a lot of guys punched the body, and not a lot of guys understood the anatomy of the body. Bob Fritz Simmons did. He understood that if you hit a guy in the soloplexes, uh, you could take the wind out of his sails, and he took the wind out of the sails of quite a few guys um, in his legendary career. So. Anyway, I, I just I had to just put that in there for Michael uh, because I, when you talk about heavy heavyweights, there was southpaws being great punches. He definitely is in that conversation. Yeah, and um, agreed. And back to what I was saying about the guys at my bookie that have been with us from the beginning. We're going to touch on this at the end of the show. We'll do a brief uh, just preview. I wanted to get your thoughts. We haven't prepared for it, but Nate Diaz and uh, Shemaev next weekend. And uh, massive line there. Don't give me a pick yet because I want to come back to it at the end. But um, something to think about. Shemaev is a minus 1,100 favorite to plus 550 on Nate Diaz. And, um, you know, with Nate Diaz, he's one thing you can be sure of. He's going to be there till the end unless you kill him and they have to cart him out of there. Or like um, in the case of um, who did he fight for the BMF belt? I'm just spacing on the name. Um, We had him on the show. Um, The Cuban kid. Who did Nate? He beat Nate Masvidal when he had when he fought Masvidal he was there until he had such a bad cut that the ref was like no this could cause permanent damage we got to call this but uh that will be entertaining so we'll come back to that my bookie check them out at mybookie.ag use the promo code atlas for 50% credit on your first deposit and one other thing I'll say just about um Andy Ruiz and the weight thing is even if you're eating an unhealthy diet if there's one thing I can recommend to everyone and speaking from experience is when your diet isn't perfect at the very least you can add athletic greens to your diet and make sure that you're getting all the whole food sourced ingredients that are required for a healthy diet it's got all the fruits and vegetable servings you need for a day 75 whole food sourced ingredients mix a scoop of it with water it couldn't be an easier solution, and if nothing else, it's an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity, especially with all the virus and everything else going on, whether you're vaccinated or not. Take some common sense precautions and make sure you're getting all the vitamins and nutrients your body needs. And if you can't get the whole food, fruits and vegetables, which I consider to be nature's vitamins, take your Athletic Greens every day. Go to athleticgreens.com. Promo code ATLAS. They'll give you 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com. Teddy, let's segue over to... Yeah, go ahead. Just to segue off of that, talking about diet, talking about weight. um, I had said this before, and I just want to say it one more time, maybe a little clearer, emphasize it, that there's always X factors in a fight that determine the outcome of a fight. And... I I had said before the fight that Ruiz looked horrible against Ariola, and he had in his last fight, horrible. And give credit to Ariola, the forty-year-old Ariola, game, game, game. Uh, you gotta love the guy. Um, but but it was a old Ariola who's been in a lot of wars, maybe too many, and he really he hurt Ruiz. Um, it was, I mean, he really gave him hell, and Ruiz didn't look good. Now Ruiz, here's the funny thing. Ruiz was lighter in that fight than he than he was last night. He was what twelve pounds lighter, whatever it was, and he was heavier against Ortiz. But he was a little stronger because I think in his fight 
with against um, uh, the, the fight where he looked awful against Ariola, where he was lighter. That was his first fight. He was training with Reynosa, uh, Eddie Reynosa, the uh, the great trainer for Canelo, and he may have lost too much weight too fast because there's a way to lose weight and and a way not to lose it. And he may have lost, and that might have been part, making no excuses for him. Ariola gave him hell because Ariola gave him hell. But and what he did. But I'm a boxing trainer, and I point everything out from my perspective, and I pointed that out before the fight, that in that fight, he may have lost too much weight. And for a lot of fans out there that say now he's heavier, and in some ways, you know, he, he was maybe a little better uh, against Ortiz. Um, yeah, he was heavier, but he, he may not have hurt himself obviously, the way he may have uh, in the fight against Ariola taking off, you know, so much weight, uh, the way that he took off so much weight. Um, so that may have been a factor um, in both the Ariola fight and, and last night, you know, even though he was heavy and people saying, oh my God, look at this, what a joke, you know. Uh, and, and you do have to laugh a little bit. All the people out there saying, he looks great. I saw pictures. He looks great. His weight's down. He looks like he's doing the Jenny Craig diet. You know, um, he, you know he, he's, he's unbelievable. And then you see him get in the ring. And, you know, like I said, he's, he's back up to that kind of weight. Um, and you just say, where was this information coming from? Where were people on the internet, you know, putting all that stuff out there? And as far as seeing a Ruiz Wilder fight. One of the reasons why we could see that fight, again, it's one of the things that's wrong with boxing, but it is what it is, is they both had the same promoter, Al Heyman. So that fight could be made. There's a lot of fights we want to see in boxing can't be made because the fighters have different promoters. But in this case, they have the same promoter and the fight could be made. Um, and they talked about it a little bit after the fight about, you know, making that fight. So anyway, and, and for those people out there that I said that he was better last night when he was having, I'm not saying that fatter is better. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying that there's a proper way to lose weight and, uh, and a and a wrong way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and um, we'll talk about weight being a factor later and when we talk about the main event at the UFC. Uh, but before we get into the main event over there, let's talk about old Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker. Um, big win over Martin Vittori. Um, man, Martin Vittori always seems to bring the hype and uh, bad blood in the build-up to the fight. This guy, it's hard to... It's hard to uh, manufacture and fabricate a beef with uh, Robert Whitaker. He's just the consummate professional. He never gets too emotionally involved. But Martin always seems to find a way to motivate himself, whatever he has to do to get angry at his opponent. But um, good scrap here, highly technical. Both guys, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say pretty even. I mean, Martin's so tough. But, you know, Bobby Whitaker just put it on him for three rounds. Um Robert is just like steady like a metronome. You just know what you're getting with him. A steady output of uh, pressure. Um, technically sound all around. It's just unfortunate that he's in the same um, era with uh, Israel Adesanya, who he just can't seem to get past. And he seems to be stuck at that number one contender uh, in perpetuity, it seems, because he can't beat Izzy. But he's beaten everyone else in the meantime. A little bit, remind me a little bit of Colby Covington and... Um, 
and Kamaru Usman obviously went and then Leon Edwards upset the apple card. But um, good win for Bobby Knuckles. Keeps this keeps the um, keeps his name in the mix. I just don't know. I just don't know that anyone needs to see him fight Izzy again. But dying to hear what you thought of this one. Yeah. I need to see him fight him again, huh? Uh, <laughs> so we'll start right off with yep. that. Where uh, I, I do. I mean, I, I didn't want to talk about that first, but since you mentioned it the way you did, uh, I want to see it because in the last fight, I don't think people realize, or a lot of people don't realize, how close the Whitaker Izzy fight was. The last fight, it was close. It was yep. close. It was close. And it was really close. I don't think people realize how damn close because the first fight wasn't close. And listen, no excuses. Adesanya is a special level of athleticism, talent, and mentally too, belief and toughness mentally. Um, he he's got that supreme confidence that that Muhammad Ali had. That that just very very few fighters in uh, whether it's in uh, UFC MMA or whether it's in boxing very few have that they really really believe that you cannot uh, that you can't beat them I, I know that is he moved up and he and he lost you know when he moved up to light a uh, light heavyweight for middleweight he lost the match then he went back to middleweight um, I, I understand that but he is a special talent and Whitaker in the first fight when he lost to him, Whitaker was coming off a sickness uh, for a long time. And again, no excuses, but maybe it did have something to do with it, that he wasn't 100%, that he didn't have enough time to really, really get back physically to the level that he needed to be to fight such a challenge, such a great fighter like Adesanya. But the second time, he had been healthy, he had been back, and again... He gave a hell of a fight. I wouldn't mind seeing the trilogy. I would like to see. I don't see anyone else there in the middleweights, really, for Adesanya. I think Whitaker's at the top of the list right now, for me, to have a shot against Adesanya. But having said that, really a tough matchup for for Tori, for, for Tori um, Saturday afternoon on that fight from Paris uh, that was in during the daytime. Tough matchup for, for Tory, who's physically strong, as you said, Ken, and he's tough. But styles make fights, even in the UFC, in the MMA. And for Tory, a bit too one-dimensional for Whitaker, who's so damn fundamentally solid and well-rounded, as I had tweeted before the fight started. Um, I think Vittori missed the boat early. Uh, nobody's talked about this, but his best opportunity came when Whitaker reached in a couple times early in the first round. He Before he got himself in rhythm, before he got himself in sync, Whitaker reached in a few times striking. That was the moment to strike. Uh for Fatori. That was the window the, the of opportunity to counter him right there. He didn't. And he never got an opportunity really the rest of the night because Whitaker was fundamentally so solid. He was so calm. He was so steady. He was so precision-like. He didn't waste anything. I've said it before. Grandmothers would have loved him at the dinner table because he doesn't waste a damn thing. He leaves nothing on the plate, but it, he, he just doesn't waste anything. He's always, he's always in position. He's accurate. He's uh, conservative to the point 
where you know he's efficient he's effective you know he he doesn't he doesn't waste energy uh you know he throws when he knows it's time to throw and when he knows it can land and he did it was it was it, it was one way traffic and and the direction was going was all the direction of Whitaker. uh he was with everything i said he's controlled he's disciplined and he was always looking for the right spots, either on counters with sniper shots, and they were sniper-like shots, or where he placed well-timed, uh, accurate punches, um, with, with, again, with either with the counters or with the sniper shots. Uh, Whitaker controlled the range beautifully, dictating where Fattori could and where he couldn't go. Uh, he, he, he was a technician. Uh, in that ring, uh, he he was really he was patient and accurate. Uh, I thought he was brilliantly smart uh, and creative, and mixing it up with every once in a while, Ken he would take a shoot um, to Fatori, you know, which might have been Fatori's only shot to get on the mat. He wasn't doing it by striking, obviously. Maybe his only shot would have been to get on the mat. But every once in a while. Whitaker took shot in to try to get him on the mat, to get Vittori on the mat, and he kept him off balance by doing that. He kept him guessing, you know. Uh, he kept mixing it up just enough, just enough, where then he went back to what he was doing, which was the striking and dominating. Uh, I thought that was, that, that was the cerebral part of it, where, you know, it was really smart. Um and as Customato, I'm always reminded of this. My mentor used to always say to me and preach to me, Teddy, when you got two tough guys in the ring and one is smarter, more developed technically, he automatically becomes the tougher guy. Well, that was it. That was it, people. That was, that was Whitaker. He, he became tougher, as tough as Vittori is because he's smarter. He's more developed. And he, he's got more things, if you will, more tools in his toolbox that he doesn't have to depend only on toughness. It's there when he needs it, but he don't have to depend. I would love, I, I started with this early because of what you said, Ken. I would love to see a rematch with Whitaker and Adesanya. Uh, as I said, the last time they fought the second fight, uh, it, it's not a rematch, it would be a trilogy, I'm sorry. But the last time they fought, uh, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but I think it's worth repeating. That was really close. Let's segue into the um, the heavyweight fight, Teddy, because a lot of observations here, a lot of thoughts from my perspective anyway. The first thing I thought about, from again, from my untrained eye, was just why is Tuivasa standing at the perfect range for Gan to punch him and kick him? No head movement, just standing there getting pot shotted. I get that he's going to live and die with this um, one punch. And, um, you know, there's a few heavyweights that do that. They they want to they just want to use that one eraser and they're willing well, to Derek take... Well, Lewis, Derek Lewis comes to mind when I think about two of us. Perfect example. Um, yeah, Perfect I mean, example. he does. They're he, just, he, if, here's what, when I saw that fight, the only thing I could think is, okay, if that's the strategy that you're going to take shots to land that one big one and erase them and basically get them out in the launcher, great. 
But at the very least, why wouldn't those guys even talk to someone like Teddy Atlas where I'm like, if, if, if that's your plan, have just get so good at slipping punches and figuring out how to get inside versus just standing there until the guy's like, you know, you catch him slipping. But it was just like he's standing in the exact wrong spot the whole time. And again, I'm obviously not a trainer, but all I could think was duty to get a little bit further out or get be in closer. Be in or be out. No, we just say this like we just, talk about in life. Be in and he's out. Just getting, uh, don't be in that. Don't be in the no man's land. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and if you're going to do that, how about some head movement or about any kind of strategy whatsoever? And I love Tuivasa and I love Derek Lewis and I want to always see them win. But you can't just live in at that top level at that number one, two, three contender. You can't expect the guy just to... But they build a fan base around that though, Ken. I agree. So you got to see that part of it. They, they do. 100%. Derek Lewis and so does two of us. So they build a fan base. And so does, we were talking earlier, so does you know someone like Nate Diaz. They build a fan base around not being mechanically sound or, you know, elusive or, you know, any of these other attributes that some people have and that they strive for, but by being just tough, by being tough and bringing it, whether it's Arturo Gatti or Mickey Ward or whatever, that those guys could lose fights and people still watch them. Derek lose, people still watch. Two of us, people still watch. <laughs> because, yeah, they'll lose, but, yeah, they might freaking upset the apple cart too because they bring it. They bring it. They bring blood, guts, you know, blood and Guts every time they get in a freaking ring and people know that they could depend on seeing that. It's it's gonna be drama, it's gonna be theater. Uh they they you know, even if they lose, <laughs> they know they're going out on their shield. And and again, there's a there's a value to that. There, there's a fan base that will that will champion around that, that do again, whether it's Nate Diaz, whether it's Derek Lewis, whether it's Tua Volsa, whether it was the late great Arturo Gatti, Mickey Ward, whatever, that that will say, hey, we're getting our money's worth. We're getting our money's worth when we see these guys. And um, yeah, you know, that's that's their thing. That's but let that's me let me do. ask you this, Teddy. If you were working with Tuivasa and you know that's his that's his game, right? What would you have told him short of the obvious, like in or out? Like what would you have been telling him because he was just getting pot shotted? I first of all, I would have taught him in the gym. That's what I mean. You can't do it that night in the ring. You no, know, no, I know. What would you have prepared him with? Yeah, that's the thing. Not just tell him in the ring. Because if you're telling him in the ring, they have to have been told how to do it. You can't just say, hey, do this. Well, yeah, show me how. Well, it's too late now because we're not in the ring. We're not in the gym. <laughs> so that stuff has to be prepared ahead of time, um, obviously, and taught ahead of time. But look, uh, you made a good point, Ken. I would have simply told him, if, you know, like the old timers would say, you know, if you're not doing nothing, don't stand in front. Take a walk around the block. Uh, take a walk downtown. <laughs> Step out a little bit out of range or go around the block. Go go off to the side if you're not doing nothing in front. But don't stand there. Don't stay there. You know, uh, your grandmother, your mother, uh, if you were lucky enough to have uh, good parents, good, good grandparents, somebody in your life that cared about you when you were young, what did they tell you? Don't hang out on the corner. You're going to get in trouble, <laughs> right? Well, don't hang out in front. You're going to get hit you know uh the the same kind of sage advice uh that works in life can work in the ring at times and so that would have been where i would have started with him as far as as far as the fight i tweeted before the fight it's it's the guile and technique of gone versus the power and toughness of two of and obviously it turned out um 
It certainly was. I also said it's the boxing ability of Gon, who's the southpaw versus the right hand of Tuovasa. And that turned out to be right. Uh, from the beginning, Tuovasa only had Ken truly a puncher's chance. And it almost was enough. He dropped him. It almost was enough. And I give him a little more credit than you did in the way that early on, I'm not saying you're wrong, ultimately, but early on I give him more credit to Avaza because he was being controlled. He was being patient. He wasn't going in there like a wild man, swinging from the bleachers and getting freaking hit with everything that were under the sun. He was being as controlled as he could be for him. He was being patient and he was he was gradually stalking uh, the taller, obviously bigger Gon, uh, more talented on the outside Gon. Again, it was about geography. Tuovasa needed the geography to be in close, and Gon needed to be on the outside. And early on, I recognized, I appreciated that, and I tweeted about it, that Tuovasa was inching his way in gradually slowly stalking and he was he was not opening up he was just inching 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 bang he threw the right hand it was that was it for the night that was it that was it it was kind of like when george foreman the honest george foreman the great george foreman when he said when he said in uh after the alley fight and he says now when alley said to him that all you got george and george said yep that was about it. Um, that that was about it. That was his chance. That was his punch's chance. The problem was that Gon didn't go according to the script. He got up. He showed his championship medal. He showed more than just talent. He's got great talent, great size, great ability. But he showed something else. He showed his championship character. He he got up. He got up and he behaved like a champion must behave when sometimes it's not just about your ability. It's about your behavior. It's about being and acting like a champion. And he did that. He, he did that. He got tested and he passed the test. But at that moment, that moment came, yeah, because of the power in the right hand of Tuovasa. But also because, again, he was patient enough early to creep his way in and bang, he got his chance. It just didn't turn out to be enough because Gan got up, <laughs> because Gan behaved like a champion. But, uh, I, you know, a tough, 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 tough guy to Avaza. But Gan showed his toughness. And again, like Customato would say, you got two tough guys, but one guy's better, one guy's smarter, one's more developed, he becomes tougher. And that was the case again, again, with Gan. Um, he dominated from that point on. Uh, he, he dominated uh, every moment. He, he even closed the show with showing the sweet science of striking by stepping out slightly, making two of us a miss, create an opening, and then come back and strike uh, and close that opening with a punch. So it was, it was, it was a terrific job by two of us. I mean, well, two of us showed great heart, but terrific job by Gon. Uh, and you couldn't have scripted it better. Uh, and in his home country, at home, 
packed arena. Uh, everyone there to see him. And what does he do? It's like a Hollywood script. <laughs> you, he gets dropped. He got all the home people. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He got dropped. And then he gets up, and he's the hero. He gets up, you know, and does what the people want him to do, and he comes back off the floor, and he knocks out Tuavasa. Just just really, Hollywood. Um, theater. Uh, just Broadway. I mean, that's Broadway. That's the way you do it. That's the way. That's the way you bring a curtain down. And that's where you, you bring forward a, uh, a, an act. And it was, you know, it was an act. Uh, a, a real life act. Uh, real fighting. Real blood and guts and sweat. But, you know, it, it, again, uh, an entertainment. Uh, you couldn't have drawn it up better uh, than they did uh, for the homecoming of him over there in, in France. Yeah, great night for the UFC. Keep building that international audience. It's oh, great they're so smart. Have. I yep. mean, obviously run by Dana White, but they're so smart. I mean, look, the NFL is going international too. They go over to different places to try to spread the, you know, to obviously spread the product, um, you know, uh, of the NFL to other countries internationally. And the UFC is doing exactly, exactly that. Uh, really, really, really smart. And it's amazing the crowds they get everywhere they go. It, it really is. And what's not amazing is that the formula they use, they put on, for the most part, freaking fights. Competitive, not one-sided, competitive fight. Yeah, yeah. Gan was the better guy. Yeah, he was a big favorite. But yeah, he came this close to losing, <laughs> you know. So they they put on competitive. That's the formula. That's the big secret sauce. That their matchmakers, their their mentality with their leader Dana White, put tough fights on. Put for the most part, put competitive fights on, and it works. People come, build it. They will come. Right? Uh, uh, field of dreams. Build it, they will come. You know? Well, build this with that formula. And they will come. And they come. Yep, that's for sure. They were definitely out in droves in Paris. And um, with that, Teddy, let's. Um, I just want to get your quick thoughts on the um, diaz Shamaya. I want to say one thing. I wrote sure. something. Can I say real quick? Of course. Take me two seconds. When I was watching that fight, I wrote a note to myself. All champions, be in life or in the ring, must pass a test before they can be the best, no matter how much physical talent they might possess. That fight showed it once again. They must be dipped into the fire and forged through that flame of life, that flame of tolerance that teaches us that we can endure when the time comes to endure and then we can conquer. Uh, Gan showed, showed in that moment that he was on the floor, obviously from a big powerful right hand, he was more than just a pretty face. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, we hear that saying, and um, I think it fits sometimes. More than just a big man with talent. He's a champion. And I would be remiss if I didn't say this. I want to see a rematch with Aganyo. Now listen, I understand all dimensions of the business. Uh, in the fight business, the, the, just the business of sports, um, 
I understand it's a business. And I understand Nganyu won the first time. And I love Nganyu. He's our friend. He comes on our show. And his agent is tremendous. They do a great job. And he's tremendous. And he might have in his future one of those crossover, you know, retirement-making fights where he fights Fury. Who knows? And if he does, God bless him. Go get it. Just like McGregor uh, got it with Mayweather. Go get it. Go get it. These guys can't make enough money for me with the risks that they take when they get in that octagon or get in that squared circle in my sport and boxing, whatever. But the reason, yeah, he won the first one. And Ganyu won because he was more developed. And give him credit. He, He won, he was more developed. And also he had the threat of the power. And that threat of the power and the lack of seasoning with Gan, as talented as Gan is, that beat him. That that I believe that Gan was too respectful. That mentally he got defeated. Um, and listen, all the credit to Ganyu. He's the one who executed. He's the one who did it. And he's the one who had developed. And Ganyu had gotten better. He had gotten better. No doubt about it. But I don't believe that Gan had been baptized yet. Where, so to speak. Where... He understood what he understands now, that he could depend on himself, uh, that he was more than just a pretty face, more than just a talented guy, that he didn't have the seasoning, the maturity, if you will, the confidence to really know that he could take more chances, that he could, and, and still be able to get the job done and be okay. He wasn't sure. So he was too tentative in that fight. Again, all credit to Ngannou, but he was too tentative in that fight. He may have blown it, whatever, and Ngannou won it. He, he may have... Lost it in, and 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 Ganyu won it. If that makes sense, um, and but I think now, having gone through that, I think that he will be more mature. Gone, he will be, and he showed that. I think in the two two of us are getting off the floor. He will be more solid mentally. He will be more confident uh, uh, in him, what he can do and what he has to do. He will be different, better. I believe. And I think it's worth. It would be really interesting. And listen, and Ganyu don't need it. You you beat him already. And and you beat him fair and square. And in my business, the smart managers used to always they always used to say, once you get past a dangerous fight, a mandated fight, and that was a mandated fight. Because he was the interim champion, the top contender, and they had to fight uh, in Ganyu and Gan. But once you get past that, and you get, th- you know, you 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 sort of you whistle through the graveyard, if you will, right? And you, and you get out of there uh, safely, and and you and you again, you win with all that danger. Don't go back to it. The old time, the wily managed. Don't go back to it. No need to. You did what you had to do. You're the victor. Go forward. Make money. Fight other guys in the UFC. Make money with the title. And then if you can pull off, as I said, the great, great, great Bonanza, and you can get that retirement fight uh, with with uh, Fury, beautiful, beautiful. But don't take that risk again. A lot of people yeah. would say, and I get it. But I, as a fan, not just as a trainer, but as a fan, I would like to see, because of the reason I just said, I would like to see 
One more time, baby. Nganu and Gan. I I I would like to see that rematch for the reasons I just said. Purely as a, and I understand why we're probably never gonna see it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, before we sign off, Teddy, this was a thorough uh, breakdown of all the all the w- w- worthwhile action this weekend. Um, Shamayev Diaz coming up next week and big one on Saturday night. It seems like uh, on the surface, at least, you know, bad blood between Diaz and UFC having a nasty breakup here at the end of his contract. And it seems like they're going to feed him to the wolves on the way out with this young lion coming up in Shamayev. At least that's the appearance that it that uh, at least how people I think are viewing it from the UFC perspective or from the fans perspective is that, you know, that Diaz is pushing on the UFC to give him a fight. They're like, okay. Yeah, you want to fight? You can go out with uh, taking on Shamayev. So that's on Saturday night. Like I said, Shamayev's a, a minus eleven hundred. Diaz plus five fifty. What do you think? I like Shamayev. Listen, I love Nate Diaz. I love his toughness. He's got a great, great, great following. Great base. Um, he doesn't, you know, he gives no f's, if you will, <laughs> right? Um, that's for sure. And 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 he takes no f's. Um, but Listen, uh, I think that Shamayev's the real thing. And I think what, again, he was fortunate to fire. Everyone has to be christened. Everybody has to be fortunate to fire, um, no matter how talented he, he is. Um, they, have to, they, they have to be dipped into that molten lava, that, that, that fire, um, to know what they really are, that they can, they can survive the moment. When the moment comes, and the moment comes for everyone. And against Burns, the very experienced, very good, very difficult Burns, Shamaya had that moment. He was dipped into that fire. And he came out of it forged better than ever. And because of that, I think because of his great skills on the floor, he, he strikes really well, he's well-rounded, but he's unbelievable. I mean, he is, he, he is just unescapable when he gets you for the most part, on a mat, uh, or as close to being unescapable as possible. Uh, he's a steel trap. And I just, uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch because Diaz only knows one thing, blood and guts, mm-hmm. you know, just never say never, baby. You know, never stop trying. Always try to find a way, um, and he will. He will be doing that, but at the end of the day, uh, I I like Sh- Shamayev probably probably on the floor. Um, probably, I mean, he does it both ways, but probably on a mat. Uh, he is very similar uh, to the maybe the greatest, right? The, the, he retired, maybe the greatest of all time, um, uh, Khabib. Uh, he, yeah. he's so he's so similar in the mindset, in the technique, uh, in his you know in everything, his belief in himself. Uh, he's very similar to the great Khabib, and like I said, for me, the maybe the finishing touch on this great possible masterpiece that could be a masterpiece. He's not complete yet, but could be. He still has to go down the road and and continue to prove it um but Shamayev when when he overcame that struggle he had that struggle with Burns to me that was that that was the convincer 
that yeah. yeah yeah he got tested and like like when it after that tough round the next round was coming up i tweeted you know what now we're gonna find we already know he's good we already know he's good now we're gonna find out what he's got on the inside we already know what he's got on the outside freaking talent 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 now we're gonna find out what's on the inside and we did and yep. there was a lot there was a lot i think we did it all i think we uh we pretty much you know what there's a big show and i know hopefully our buddy uh the great dustin poirier will be on it but i just sign you talking about him he's i think the headline on it um but it's going to be in november at madison square garden the big place right and it looks like i'll be working that show uh for espn with the great, great team they have, you know, which is just, I, I, I don't think any commentators in any sport are better than the ones they have. But they will once again allow this boxing intruder, this boxing intruder um, to come into their realm and and work a little bit on that show with the great director and producer, Charlie Monaghan. Um that will be in the garden. You know the date better than I do. But that'll November be in the 12th. garden. Yeah, that'll be a great show. And maybe you guys will be there. And a few days later, on November 17th, is the, my foundation's charity event, the big fundraiser of the year, where we get a lot of celebrities like Tracy Morgan and hopefully Marv Albert's going to be there. And, uh, you know, just, just a we we always are very blessed Phil Sims and uh, just all, all these these great people that come out to help us raise money to help people that that are in need people that are you know that need help that that are less uh, fortunate than that we're blessed to be so uh, that'll be it to Staten Island Hilton I know you and Rob uh, are good enough to be there I appreciate the hell out of you that you that you are and. Um, I think you're going to be at the garden too, or I, I hope you're going to be at the garden. And you know what? I'm going to, I know I didn't talk to you guys privately about this. I'm just saying it now on the air, but I'm going to do my best uh, to have you guys, if you're there, to have you guys join me and us in the suite where we call the fights. And um, that, I, I'm going to, I think I could get Rob that. Rob and time. I will definitely be there. I don't, I, he may have already bought tickets, but let's, let's discuss yeah, no, no, because that's we're going to all that's be there. That's fine. Even if you bought tickets, that's, that's fine. I'm just talking about then getting used to come and sit with us. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. During the fights in, in, uh, if I can do it and I, I will do everything to, uh, do it. Be nice to see some of the fans there. So just as an FYI, we'll be there November 12th in New York City um, at MSG, hoping that Poirier gets his fight canceled, as a, uh, gets his fight finalized. I talked to him yesterday on text. He said, still trying to button up some last-minute details. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. So when he does get it finalized, hopefully he can uh, let us know and we'll let the fans and you know. know what, and listen, you know when he does... Again, the trademark of Dana White in the UFC. What is it? It's going to be a tough fight. <laughs> of I mean, course. Yeah, Michael I mean, Chandler. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough fight. <laughs> a fight that mm -hmm. the people are just going to, uh, f you know, foam at the mouth, if you will, uh, to see 
to see it. So Yeah, we may have some things going on around that fight, but the best way to keep in touch with us, guys, is please subscribe to the YouTube show, subscribe to the podcast, be the first to know. We try to send out those notifications to the people that are subscribing first. Be the first to know, support the show. It takes zero effort on your end and goes a long way with us to subscribe to all the different channels on you on Apple iTunes, YouTube in particular. If you could just take a minute and hit the subscribe button, it means a lot to us. It really does. And um, we're going to try to plan something. I don't know what, but an opportunity to meet some of the fans at that November 12th show, either before or after, something to that effect. Yeah, we're all together. That would be really, really, really nice. And um, we'd love to see the fans. And, um, and again... You know, Dana White, uh, listen, uh, he, uh, with the product he puts out there, you know, uh, he for me, he, he pays attention to all details. I just said it. Uh, the, the commentators that they have are just second to none. The director and producer, I said it already, Charlie Monahan, second to none. Uh, they, they got the, you know, it's not an accident. Um, and they meant that they're what they are, that, they again I, it hurts me a little bit to say it but they've surpassed boxing as far as putting the fannies in front of tv uh week in and week out uh week in and week out they do i know boxing goes to the to mount everest when they put on a big fight i get it but it's not often enough and um and then yeah you get some of these whether it's espn or whoever it is that's putting on some of these weekly shows especially the undercards and they put them on and they're just it's again it's cannon fodder it's it's cannon fodder they're putting uh guys in there with with you know maybe future stars whatever that they're just getting blown out and nobody wants to see that you know uh and and again they'll throw you the bone they'll throw you the bone and put a good one i get it but you know, they, there's too many that aren't the good ones. And the UFC does have this simple formula. Put, it doesn't, whether it's a, it don't have to be a big name. Just a good, solid fight. Two guys that are going to get down. Two guys that are going to be competitive. Two guys that are going to test each other. Two guys that are going to take themselves and us to another place when they perform. And That's the possibility it. of that. That's it. And with that, Teddy, we're going to let Rob go have his Italian dinner. And uh, I'm going to go to the cardboard boat race regatta and report manja, back manja, with the results. Manja, <laughs> Rob, manja. Have that's, fun, Rob fun. and Teddy. Thanks again for doing this. Thanks to all the fans for being with us. Happy Labor Day to everyone. Great end to the summer. Let's uh, start the fall on the right foot. Hopefully everyone's uh, out there getting their exercise in and eating a healthy diet and join Teddy on his weight loss journey. We'll see you guys next week, and we'll discuss the uh, Nate Diaz-Shamaya fight. Thanks again for being with us, and thanks, thanks to you, Teddy. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. You guys, too. Best to everybody out there.